the, is it morning yet, deal. How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time of all the times. Get any sized iced coffee for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. And sweeten the deal when you pair it with a baked apple or pumpkin and creme pie. After all, why wait to treat yourself? Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Whatever you're saving up for, a CD from Sandy Spring Bank lets you grow your savings at a guaranteed rate. Right now, earn interest at 5.50% APY on an 8-month CD special or 5.00% APY on a 14-month CD special. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com slash cdspecials. Minimum opening deposit to earn the annual percentage yield is $500 for the 8-month CD special and $2,500 for the 14-month CD special. Member FDIC. Welcome to Adventures in the Spirit with Jared Lasky. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and equipped through this podcast as we have conversations with friends from around the world. You can subscribe to our podcast and go to our website, firebornministries.com, and sign up for our email list to stay up to date on Fireborn Ministries. And may you have your own adventures in the Spirit. And now we hope you enjoy today's podcast. Thank you so much for joining in to Adventures in the Spirit with Jared Lasky. Guys, God is doing amazing things around the world through the Skype events in Pakistan. As We've seen people saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, healed in the name of Jesus. Just recently, we did one of these live streams, and it was live on King TV. We saw 267 people give their heart to Jesus, and we saw other people turn away from their sins, be water baptized. We're giving out Bibles to people as we're ministering around the world through this podcast. It's amazing what God is doing through technology. We've got a great interview lined up for you. But before we jump into that, I want to encourage you. If you want to know how to hear God and prophesy, I believe that you can hear God's voice. You can speak and encourage people. You could encourage, uplift, and edify them by speaking the prophetic word. Please sign up for entry-level prophecy, our new e-course available for you on charismacourses.com. It's entry-level prophecy. Go through the course on your time, whenever you want, and that's on charismacourses.com. But guys, today we're talking about some amazing things, which is very relevant to today's discussion, to the end times, the end of the world. Other things, there are a lot of different viewpoints. There are some prevalent viewpoints. I know today will encourage many. It will challenge some of us, but it will give us hope as we live victoriously. So excited to introduce you to my guest, Dr. Cindy Coates. Dr. Cindy, thank you so much for being part of Adventures in the Spirit. Oh, it's good to be here. Thank you so much. I'm honored and excited. I'm a kind of a theologian. I don't have a PhD or a doctor of ministry, but I've got an MDiv and an MA and a BS. So three incredible things because I love the scripture. And in today's climate people are talking about Matthew 24 and the rapture and the end times and you know politics 2020 is here and I just left Oregon just the other day and there are some crazy things going on in that state and I'm praying for revival I mean there are some things that uh, anyway Holy Spirit being poured <laughs> out upon Oregon I believe yeah. in revival. I believe that the Holy Spirit is in us and greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. But Dr. Cindy, I'd love for you to tell us about, tell us your story, how you got saved and, and your background. 
Okay. Well, first of all, I'm from Georgia. A lot of people want to know, okay, where's that accent? I'm from Georgia. I'm in Atlanta. I'm a seventh generation Atlantan. There's not very many of us around. They usually scatter and go somewhere else. But I got, uh, I always tell people I got saved 2000 years ago, but in 1969, I fell in love with the idea. <laughs> so I've been walking with the Lord since I'm, I was uh, eight years old. It's been a, it's been a journey. It's been quite amazing. Got baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was 17, which was a huge game changer. Been married 30, almost 37 years. And my husband and I live here in Atlanta. We've planted seven churches. We are currently in our seventh church and just have two grown sons, um, Kyle and Tyler. Uh, one is married and the other is not. He's single. So um, <laughs> that's, I guess, is that what you wanted to know? Oh, There's a whole lot more. I'm leaving a lot out. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, you mentioned planting seven churches. I have planted two. I successfully closed one of those. You know, learned a lot. But now through the media ministry, we're conquering the mountain of media for Jesus, letting people know that there's hope. So what is your educational background? You're a theologian. You're a theology professor. Yes. I'm a theology professor. My education background in theology, well, I've had several streams of education. I Believe it or not, I started out in art school. I got a, a degree, I mean a scholarship uh, with the Emilio Pucci Art School um, here in Atlanta. There's two in the world. There's one in Lucerne, Switzerland, and there's one in Atlanta, and they're exclusive art schools. So I started out there. I, I was a cheerleader for the Atlanta Falcons, and so uh, through that, I got introduced to the sports world. I got introduced in sports medicine and then I went to um, uh, school to get my degree in exercise physiology went to the American College of Sports Medicine I was an athletic trainer for a while and I really honest to goodness I never I was always an athlete I've always been you know very much athletic and in the sports world and I never dreamed I would be a theologian I love the Lord and I love the word since I was a little kid but being a theologian, that happened because my oldest son, who's married, when he was 12 years old, he began to ask me questions about Bible prophecy. And I was raised in the Baptist church. And most anyone who's listening that knows what the Baptists believe about the end times, it scared me. It scared all of it. Totally scared me. I didn't teach my kids any of it because honestly, I didn't know enough to teach them. So I just began to study the scripture and I enrolled in some classes. And I guess I started, it took me about 10 years to get my doctorate degree in theology. But my thesis my and my dissertation are all on fulfilled eschatology. Because that was the, that's where I started in, well, on my journey of theology courses, I, I was compelled to study what the word actually says about the times we are living in, if at all, how to analyze, how to synthesize, how to determine uh, which is a constant, which is a variable, rightfully dividing the word. I got into the original languages. My husband is a Koine Greek uh professor and a three-time Grammy nominated singer and songwriter. So it's like, we've got a lot going on here, but yeah, that's how I basically got into it. The need to teach people, especially prophetic people, sounds to me like that's your 
you, a lot of your audience are prophetic people um, and you're geared toward equipping prophets. That's interesting because so am I. And, and as long as you, as long as prophets have a good foundation of scripture, because when you see where the, uh, the church at Antioch, okay, who gathered there? I mean, the birth of the apostolic church, who gathered there, the prophets and the teachers, when the prophets and the teachers come together, you've got an apostolic church right there. And um, to get prophets settled down enough to study the word and to get uh, grounded in the word and to get teachers open enough to the spirit is like a true miracle of God to get that flow going. So that's what we do at our, at our ministry here in Atlanta, the porch. We merge the prophetic and the teaching gifts together. And that's how we have the apostolic ministry that we have. Amen. That's exciting. And you'd mentioned, you'd brushed on it a little bit about eschatology. And today, a lot of people are talking about the rapture, the end of the world, the last days. And people see what's taken place with this pandemic, which I believe has been manipulated. I mean, it's, it's a real thing, but it's been uh, exaggerated, weaponized, politicized, in my humble opinion. But people are talking about this. And then there are other things taking place. Like I said, I just got back from Oregon. And some of those fires, people are saying, are intentional. Intentional. Some people are calling it an attack. So people are talking about Matthew 24. They're talking about the rapture. I'd love to hear what you have to say about why people, you know, they get a comfort and they say, this is that. But what is it per se? Like what, in your opinion, and what you see in the scripture... You know, why do people tend to have a pull those and say, this is coming? But in my lifetime, everything has been the end of the world. Iraq. I've been to Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, 9-11 was. Y2K was. The Mayan calendar, which was not Christian but secular, that was the end. Why do we do these things? But what does the scripture show? Well, whenever we read the Bible, we got to realize the Bible is a book. It's a book. And just like any book, no matter what book you read, you have to realize who is writing, to whom are they writing, where are they writing, when are they writing, why are they writing, and what are they saying? And the Bible is no different. When you speak of Matthew 24, I actually I teach a course on Matthew 24, studying it verse by verse. It's called Fulfilled Eschatology 101, and that's what we do. We lay that down as a foundation, and anyone who studies Matthew 24, they also have to study along with that the synoptic gospels or the other two gospels that have the same narrative, which would be Mark 13 and Luke 21. They overlap each other. So Matthew's the only Jewish writer in the synoptic gospels, and then You've got Luke and uh, Mark, they're Greek. And so Greek writing is very specific and more detailed, especially with Luke, because Luke uh, is a doctor. He's uh, very methodical and he's a Greek doctor. And then you've got Mark and Mark gives more details. A lot of times when we read uh, things from Jewish, uh, Hebrew mindsets and the, the original language is very poetic. And so we have to take that into consideration. However, Matthew is different because Matthew is a number crunching tax collector accountant type. So he's very detailed as well. So those three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Synoptic Gospels, 
all laying on top of each other. Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke, uh, Luke 21. We have to take them on into consideration. Now, we have to realize that there were no chapter dividers in the original writing. That we have to go back. In order to get the full story of Matthew 24, you've got to go to Matthew 21. You've got to, it begins, it's Holy Week. Okay, it's Holy Week. Jesus is uh, riding into Jerusalem on the donkey, the cult of a donkey. And it's Palm Sunday, and that's where it starts in Matthew 21. And then you read the entire story all the way through Matthew 25. That's when that particular setting is is from 21 to 25. You have to read the, the whole thing in context, because what we say is, if you don't get the context, you're going to get the pretext, and the pretext is error. So we don't cut and paste the Bible. It is a story. It is a narrative. And we have to follow along closely so that we don't miss anything. So when we're seeing Jesus in Matthew 24, he's just laid into the Sadducees and Pharisees in the temple and letting them know that, you know, basically they had a minute to repent, but they didn't. I mean, he gave them a minute to repent. He called them out and said, you know, you guys are vipers and snakes, and let's get, you know, you got a minute to repent. They didn't repent. Therefore, he left the temple, and four of the disciples walked up to the Mount of Olives with him. We know that because in Mark 13, in verse 3, it says they were Peter, James, John, and Andrew. In other words, there were two sets of brothers, all right? So two sets of brothers are sitting up there on the Mount of Olives with Jesus, and Jesus is talking to them. They asked him a question in Matthew uh, Matthew uh, 24, 1 and 2. They asked him a question about the end of the age, not the end of the world, not the end of planet Earth, the end of the old covenant Mosaic law. They were asking him about the end of that age. That's all they were asking them, Okay. And Jesus was answering their question. So whenever you read Matthew 24 and it says, and you will see this and you will do that, circle you and realize you in that context is Peter, James, John, and Andrew. They are you, not us, not Jared, not Cindy, but them. They were you. Okay, they were you, we're not you. And Jesus was not talking to us. Jesus was talking to them. He said in verse 34 of Matthew 24, he says, this generation shall see all these things come to pass. Which generation is that? The one he was talking to. Because when you think about the word this and that, this means close, that means far away. We go back to Grover on Sesame Street, near, far this, that, okay? We have to go back to, sometimes we do need to go back to Sesame Street in order to learn what the Bible says. <laughs> you know, if you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. So we're having a good time. Get people out of Elmo theology, I guess. <laughs> Everybody's in Elmo, right? We got to get over there with, yes, exactly. So listen to Grover, because Grover knows a little bit more than Elmo does. <laughs> so we, gotta, we got to... Realize just, and this is grammar. This is basic grammar. So, okay. So the Bible, the Bible talks about the word. In, in Mark chapter four, didn't Jesus say that the word of God was a seed? Was a seed. So how does a seed grow? A seed grows from the ground. It grows up. It grows out. It grows from. That's called exegesis. When you read into the scripture, that's eisegesis. That's backwards. That's error. That's perversion. So when we look at the newspaper or or we listen to uh, mainstream media and we say, oh, that's what the Bible's talking about. What you just did is you read into it. 
That's wrong. That's called eisegesis. That's really bad Bible interpretation. I mean, you would fail my class if you did that. You would absolutely get an F and you'd lose your money and you have to take it over again. <laughs> today's headline. And I say from what I see on the media, and I take today's headline in North America and I put it into a Bible passage. That's wrong. Yes, because yes. the Bible is, because you know, English was not spoken on planet Earth until the 800. So the Bible wasn't even spoken in our language. And just yesterday, I was talking to a young lady and she was asking me about these things. And I said, so just in the past hundred years in, in, in our language in America, like if I were to say that, uh, let me just say the shirt I have on right here. If I said to my husband, this is a really tight shirt. And my grandmother would say, well, if it's too tight, take it back and get one that fit. But if my son heard, heard me say that, he would say, yeah, mom, it's tight. See, and just with something like that, or the, the words, the terms that we even use over the past hundred years, Imagine 2,000 years ago what words meant. They must be meant something different to them. And they were in another language, right. on another right. continent, in another culture. <laughs> so we have to study that culture. We have to study that language and that audience and that history time window. That is key. Absolutely key. You cannot understand it. So nothing in Matthew 24. I'm just going to go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. Not one thing in Matthew 24 pertains to us in modern times. Every bit of that was fulfilled in their generation. A generation is 40 years. Jesus was talking in AD 30, 33, whichever calendar you're going to go by, but we're safe to know that it was in a generational window of time because in AD 70, everything happened that he foretold would happen. There was a three and a half war, three and a half year war. Okay. Um, the Roman, all the armies of the world circled around Jerusalem. That was the Roman army because those were all the armies of the world. Rome ruled the world. See, I taught, another thing I didn't tell you about my background. I was a teacher. I, I have taught every core subject from K-5 through college. And in, I taught high school a lot, history. And I taught ancient world history. So I know my ancient world history timeline, but most Christians don't. They don't know ancient, they don't know first century world history and what was going on. And so um, I'm just going to tell you real quick, you know where it says two men were standing in the field. One is taken and the one other one is left behind. Two women grinding at the mill. One is taken and one's left behind. Okay, guys, that was whenever Rome sacked Jerusalem in AD 70 and they were taking slaves into captivity. And Jesus was basically saying, have y'all going to be taken into slavery if you don't leave the city when I'm telling you to leave it. And he's, it's just all makes sense when you think what was going on, because I don't know about you, but I don't know too many women grinding at the mill. I mean, we eat grits in Georgia. We eat grits, but I don't know too many women out grinding them in the backyard. We go to the grocery store and buy those grits. So that's a first century <laughs> application, two women grinding at the mill. And then another part where Jesus said, you shouldn't be up on top of your house on your roof, you know, at the time of the, of the attack, you know, of, how many people do you know stand on top of their roof every day? I mean, see, the people in the first century, their houses were flat. 
on top. They lived up there. They ate their dinners up there and they worked on top of their roof. So they didn't have like slanted roofs like we do here these days. Their roofs were like that. Yeah, I mean, there's so much when you know the culture. I'm, I feel like I'm talking a lot, but I can get on. A, I can get into lecture mode so fast. So you got to shut me up. I know it's challenging people right now. Biblical. And this is what I see the scripture points to. And a lot of people tend to put today North America's news into the scripture and they might get some sense of comfort in it, but I've got to tell them everything I believe was fulfilled AD 70. It pointed to that. And there's so much to unpack with Matthew 24. And and you mentioned one will be taken, one left. I mean, people say that that's the rapture. What is the rapture? People talk about uh, coming on the clouds, but yet I look at scripture, Jesus coming on the clouds. It's not talking about what people tend to say is rapture was talking about a coming judgment back then and then jesus i believe came on the clouds and there's this judgment behind it to the generation that he was speaking to in matthew chapter 24 this generation means this generation i'm talking to will see this not a future generation so what is the rapture dr cindy well first of all the word rapture is not in the bible I know that might blow some people's minds because they build their entire, you know, people think, well, if you don't believe in the rapture, then you must not be a Christian. I I mean, I've even had people tell me that. It's not that I don't believe in the rapture. The great, you know, here's, you know, I'm trying not to say too much because I know this is a limited podcast time. I have to, I'm taking my thoughts and trying to edit them real fast on the spot. Just give me a second. So let's just say this. You know, it says that we'll be caught up together with him in the air. That word air means the breath of God. We are caught. See, get prophets on board with this. If prophets would get on board with fulfilled eschatology, if prophets would get on board with this truth, and they would realize that we are caught up together in the breath of God every single day, all day long. He is our habit. Yes. Oh, we live rapture. We live raptured. It's not an event. It is an absolute dwelling. It is always, we are caught. I'm caught up with God, aren't you? I'm caught up with his breath, his life, his, his spirit, his spirit. It's so much. You talk about releasing prophets to really prophesy, to prophesy such truth and life into the earth. Uh, I mean, to get them off this other that's just ridiculous and get them on truth. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. It's, it's so much better. So much better. It's just liberating to understand that. And gosh, there's so much to unpack and we've only got, you know, a half, a half hour window or so, but people talk about the tribulation. Even what is the tribulation? What was the apostle John pointing to? What was Paul pointing to when they're talking about a tribulation? Well, got to go back to Matthew 24 because Jesus said it first. Um, in fact, I was just teaching on that last night. Hang on. Let me grab my Bible. Oh, nothing like live TV, huh? Yeah, it's all good. Okay. Yeah, it's all good. It's real it's all good. This is real stuff right here, y'all. This is real. We're not staging anything. This thing's on the fly. We didn't even have rehearsal. Okay. This is fun, though. Okay. Okay. So it says in Matthew 24, 21. Okay, okay, okay. So, see, I'm just sitting there going, I could go off in a direction. I better not. Okay, so when Jesus is telling, okay, first of all, let me, before I say that, before I say that, it's about the tribulation. 
So this will help everybody. The entire New Testament was written before AD 70. So their future is our past. That's right. When it talks about things are going to happen, well, to them, it was going to happen. To us, it already happened because it happened in AD 70. That's real important to know. And see, if you can see a Venn diagram, like two circles crossing over each other, I don't know if you can see that. See that Venn diagram? Two circles crossing. So that's the old covenant. And then there's the new covenant. And they crossed over each other. Well, there's a time in the middle that's called the now and the not yet. The now and the not yet. And that's the 40-year window. The generation. The New Testament was written in the now and the not yet. And when you get that and you read the New Testament, boom, it makes sense. Jesus said the tribulation that he was describing in Matthew 24 about Jerusalem being destroyed by Rome. That's what he was talking about. The Roman army was going to come and destroy Jerusalem. And that would have been Herod's temple. Herod's temple was an outrageous, gaudy. Oh, it, it was. I have. Oh, you just got to take my course in order to see the comparison of the scale. I mean, it was like, I don't know how many times bigger than Solomon's temple. It was such an outrageously flamboyant gotta prove he's greater than solomon david and everybody else that ever lived he was uh whoo talk about a big personality herod had one jesus said that the tribulation that was coming there has never been a tribulation so bad ever and there would never ever be another one like that ever again so there's no dual fulfillment as some people teach there's no dual fulfillment like yeah that was one then there's going to come another one not according to jesus not according to Jesus. He said there would never be another one that would come that would be like that ever. You know, Josephus recorded this. He did. And they understood that was what they, they understood it was divine, what was taking place. Divine judgment on Jerusalem in AD 70 and all that. That's a whole nother conversation that we can have. But Dr. Cindy, what can Christians take joy in now? What is the hope that we can give people? instead of the modern, I would say more modernized North American view, which is pre-trib, pre-millennial, shattering that paradigm. We're shattering that worldview. We're calling people to read the scripture, look at the context, look at the languages, and see that we are victorious now. But what is the hope that believers can take joy in now, despite circumstances around the world? We are in the everlasting days of the everlasting covenant of the new covenant of grace, the world without end, Ephesians 3.21. We are, listen, listen, guys, oh, this is how I prophesy. Isaiah 9.6, you just said it. I can't believe you said that scripture because I prophesy of that all the time. For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son of get, is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And the shoulders on the body, not the head. The shoulders is on the body, and we're the body of Christ, and the government is on us. And what we say goes. We're in charge. We've been given dominion. Doesn't say go take dominion. Listen, guys, the original intent of mankind was is in Genesis one twenty eight: Be fruitful, multiply, replenish, subdue, and have dominion we don't have to take dominion we have it i don't have to go grab dominion from anybody bless the name of jesus because jesus redeemed and restored us back to the garden 
back to the original intent. That's what the cross did in the resurrection. And the look, we are in a place as though we've never fallen. That's what being redeemed means. It's like we're back in that garden before the fall. So we're back running things. And we got to stop hiding and, and watching or, or, or just biting our fingernails in the corner in fetal position and tuck tail and run. And, and y'all just hunker down because Jesus is coming back. He's here. Go look in the mirror. He's in me. He's in you. I, I Hey, I'm looking for Jesus to come back because I see him every day when I get up in the morning. I look. He's in my family. He's in me. He's in my friends. He's in everybody watching. So we are the manifest presence of God right here. We are the temple. There's not going to be a third temple. We are the temple. The third temple is a joke. Why? To have animal sacrifices again? No way. There's only been one sacrifice that's been good enough, and that's Jesus. He's already done it. We don't need it. And guess what? There's not a end times and last days for the church. That was for the old covenant. That was for the law. The end times and the last days was for the law, not us. Amen. That was so good. Dr. Cindy, this was amazing. <laughs> I know it's a whole lot to unpack, but what is the best way for people to get more information about this? You've mentioned a class that you offer. And so can you point people to uh, your resources? Yeah. Okay. So I'm on Facebook and um, you can see how I spell my name. It's a little different. C-I-N-D-Y-E uh, on the end. And then coach just has an E too. C-O-A-T-E-S. And then I'm on Facebook and I've got a group called Study Matthew 24 Fulfilled. And then I've got a class that's Fulfilled Eschatology 101. And what you can do with that is you can come in for personal study. Like if all you want to do is just learn for yourself or you can come for college credit. You get three credit hours for eschatology or Christology. If you've already had eschatology and, and you're working towards your degree, but you need a, like, if you need a Christology class, we can, it'll go toward that. If it's for a liberal arts school, it's um, it could go toward ancient literature or ancient world history. You can get credit for either uh, one of the four disciplines I just mentioned, or you can get certified to teach this. I, I give certifications out to teach people how to teach this. And you can go at any level, personal study, uh, come for three college credits, or you can get certified to teach it. And that is in the group called Fulfilled Eschatology 101. Awesome. Fulfilled Eschatology 101. And then what is the best way or the best website for people to get a hold of you? Facebook, you know, we oh, they can come to the porch. Our church in Atlanta is the porch.us is our web, is our website, but it's kind of it's not dynamic. I, I, our Facebook pages are very dynamic. But yeah, the porch and they can also join our group the porch. That's our church online. I teach there every Sunday night. We stream every Sunday night and have been doing it way before the pan, the pandemic. <laughs> Dr. Cindy, thank you so much for being part of Adventures in the Spirit. Guys, if you're watching this and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, commit your life to him right now. A complete and total transformation. It's a complete change of life when you give your heart to Jesus if you're watching this on King TV, I know that there's a phone number that you can call. You could give your life to Jesus. You could send in your prayer requests. But right now, may the Holy Spirit fall upon you in Jesus' name. And may you confess lordship, kingship of Jesus right now. So using your own voice, 
believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and a total transformation as you confess Jesus is Lord. Now start talking to him, have a relationship with him, get water baptized, go to a church, dig deeper into the scripture and know that the Holy Spirit has set you free. You are the bride of Christ. You have dominion. You walk without fear in Jesus' name. Dr. Cindy, thank you so much for being part of Adventures in the Spirit. I want to encourage everybody, check out her resources, The Porch in Atlanta, theporch.us, and find her on Facebook. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review to Adventures in the Spirit with Jared Lasky podcast, available on Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Charisma Podcast Network. Thank you so much for listening to our conversation in Adventures in the Spirit. We hope that this podcast encouraged and inspired you to press into Jesus and launches you into your own adventure. You can stay up to date with Fireborn Ministries by going to our website, firebornministries.com, and like us on Facebook. And may you have your own Adventures in the Spirit. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice, Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts.